everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode. This is a very special episode. As you can see, the man himself, John London, is here in person. Our first in-person guest. Welcome, my friend. It's an honor and pleasure to be here. Let's go. So, you, as you know, a little, little, little different, right? And normally, it's just it. you know, there's two, and this is back against the wall. Now we got a third person, and this is the first ever interview in the actual studio. We've had interview, interviews in person before, but yeah. not actually in the stew. So, it's a pleasure to have you here. Glad to be here. First guest all the way from Philly drove all the way up to be here just to be with us. So we're honored. Damn right. And he came with uh, some swag, some gifts, some bourbon, some tequila. So he comes very well equipped. You were raised right, my friend. Uh, yes, I was. I got to thank my mother. For my mother. Oh, man. You got a good mom. Tell her I said thank you. That I will. All right. So we got a lot of questions to ask you. Okay. We got to learn who John London is, who Jay London is. and uh, But before we do that. You got to tell us, what are we smoking here? Yeah. Okay. All right. So what we're going to be smoking is the J. London Gold Series Lonsdale. This is the Vitola that the Gold Series was blended in. So when I worked with William Ventura and his younger son, Henderson, who has that Ventura line of cigars, uh, this is the Vitola we, that we wanted it all to come together in. Because for me, I was classically trained on cigars. So... Old World cigars uh, would be smaller Vitolas, so the Lanceros, Lonsdales, Coronas, Panatellas. And so that's why I wanted to start, and then we branched out from there. But it, uh, it was a year uh, of work uh, back in 2014 and nice. uh, brought it to life and sold out uh, within a week and a half when we launched in December of 2014. But up until a couple years ago, you had to know me to get it. So only in the past few years. Literally right before COVID, did I even start wow. selling it around the country? So right before COVID is when you started really going, and then COVID happened. Did that hurt? I'm, I imagine it did, but. Uh, the first month or two, but then after that, it just shut off like a rocket. Yeah. Probably if everyone was like, sitting home, like, man, I need more cigars. Yeah, because like, I, you know, I thought them? about that. You know, Did the COVID, COVID hurt the tobacco industry? But most people, I mean, it hurt the lounges, but people that are smoking and buying online or buying on e-disties, you can, people are probably just doing the same thing so it actually helped the cigar industry uh, the industry shipped in over 400 million cigars for the first time since the mid 90s which is when the cigar boom had happened wow yeah we heard about that we heard of 400 million i'm like dang 400 million i just want a piece of that just yeah. give me a little piece of that yeah. wow. okay that's a lot of damn cigars that's a lot of damn cigars <laughs> that's awesome and you know i gotta give you kudos as i always say i'm a i'm a marketing guy i'm a visionary guy so when I first heard, I think I first had your cigar through Luxury Cigar Club, um, and I instantly liked the name, liked the script, liked the band, because like I always say on the podcast, when I was a younger kid, I liked football teams based on their color. I liked the Green Bay Packers. I liked the Tampa Bay Bucks. So when I see a cigar band that has very good, put a lot of emphasis and detail into their band, it makes me want to try it that much more, and I think a lot of people think like that, especially new cigar people, so... Where did you get your idea for this design in the band? So for me, I wanted to do something that was clean, elegant, timeless. Uh, I'm building a brand, right? Just like you guys are and have built a successful brand. And I wanted something that can stand the test of time. Um, yes, there's a lot of brands, especially now that come up and they're putting a new cigar out every week or every month. That wasn't how I came about building J London. Yeah. The, the J London brand, uh, I, you know, I looked at, Brands like Monte Cristo, Cohiba that were just, you know, 
and both Cuban, non-Cuban, but I just, I wanted to put something out that I know I can stand behind for the next decade, next 20 years, next 30 years. And as long as I maintain it and keep it consistent, that people are going to appreciate it. Yeah, because I, I like exactly what Eric said is this is the elegance of the label, right? That's really what that's what it starts. You know, the script on there, the gold. It's just that's what I, I look at the label and I think elegance. I'm like, okay. so when you think of something that stands the test of time, the classic 100%. elegant looking thing. Some of the new age stuff is cool for, but it, it's going to be around for a season, maybe a year or two. But something that's going to be around for decades. You need something classy. You need something simple. Like, there's nothing really crazy about the label. It's just simple, elegant. And that's that's kind of the same like, same thought process when we created our cigar. We kind of wanted to say, like, what's something that's classy, something that has, like, a little attitude to it? And people are going to be like, what is that cigar? What is that? What, what you know, Why does that look like that? And uh, not you don't oh, – like, I would say maybe not maybe more than half have a really designed and – detailed band but sometimes you see cigars and it's so bland and you're like do i really want to want to try that you know well it's either too bland or so ostentatious and for me i wanted the cigar to speak for itself but i wanted uh the band to be representation of the brand which was just clean elegant mm. refined and uh i think we achieved it and so we I- actually worked with uh henderson uh, ventura was translating i was at cigar rings in the dominican republic and cigar rings make cigar bands for Pretty much half of any human yeah. or in the world. So, um, didn't you get married in the DR? Did I did. I just got married in January. Yeah, I was, admi- yeah. I was admiring. That, I was admiring man. his ring. I'm like, <laughs> cheers like to that. Cheers. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's funny about the yeah, wedding I was, ring. I was admiring the wedding. I was admiring the ring. I looked at yours, and today, if you notice, I don't have mine on. Uh oh. So I texted my wife today. I said, "Listen, don't kill me." My wedding ring is on, is in the bathroom because I, I was doing my hair and I hate getting all the gel and stuff in my, my ring. So I took it off and put it like on the little stand and I never got to it. So I was driving. I'm like, oh shit. Oh shit. I was like, this is weird. I'm not wearing it. Like you could see, like I have, I still have like the abrasion on, on my, yeah. on my hand, but I'm like, oh man. I'm like, Merce, watch out. People are going to think I'm single. She's like, I can't believe you. <laughs> it's funny because I was, I, I just picked up mine because I'm getting married in September and I just picked up mine from the jewelers yesterday and I was, admiring it because i like the diamonds on it i this it's very similar but it's in gold with diamonds and i kept telling my fiance i'm like you pick it up because we don't get to wear a ring right like she already has the ring yeah. that she's been wearing for a while and we don't get to wear anything until the day of the wedding so i go babe i want to wear this so bad like it looks so good it looks so <laughs> baller she's like you could wear it around the house You're like if we go out to <laughs> dinner you, you you can test out but you can't wear it outside the house i'm like son of a bitch i want to wear it so bad <laughs> so <laughs> very made, nice what ring. made you want to uh get married in the dr i'm guessing well ours. my wife's dominican oh, uh, okay. so i've been going out to dominican republic since 2014 and oh thanks to jay london that was yeah. mm-hmm. right why i started going down there and i just i fell in love with the country i fell in love with the culture uh people the food and so i wanted to do something that I could show my friends and family why I love the DR so much, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we got married about 20 minutes outside of Santiago. For those who don't know, Santiago is a city of a million people, second largest city in the Dominican Republic. And it is, for all intents and purposes, the heart and soul of the Dominican. And that's what Dominicans will tell you. And then 20 minutes from there is Tambaril. And Tambaril 
is where many of the great Dominican cigars are made. Wow. And so 20 minutes from from, yeah, San, from, Santiago? from Santiago. Yeah. And then the north coast is only an hour, hour and a half away, like Punta, uh, Puerto Plata, Sosua, Cabarete. So you, you're in a great place. You're in a beautiful valley. Um, the mountain ranges, you know, go two, three thousand feet up in there. You know, there's some restaurants that you can actually look, drive up to and then overlook the valley. And so we just wanted to create a special experience and showcase the Dominican. Uh, and that's what we did. It was honestly the best party of my entire yeah. life. And now in Dominican Republic, can you, I imagine you can just smoke anywhere pretty much, right? You'd say that, but it's become so much more modernized. Like we think Dominican Republic, third world country. Well, I was just thinking, not, I mean, it's yeah. like they make, that's right, where most, it is. Know. There's, there's plenty of places to still smoke, but I can tell you that when I was first going there in 2014, I did feel like I could smoke anywhere. Yeah. And now they've kind of cut that back some as it's more modernized. And yeah, you can still smoke most restaurants because a lot of the restaurants are owned by cigar yeah, manufacturers. Wow. Those are the restaurants I want to go to. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there's an amazing restaurant in, in Santiago called Saga and it's owned by Augusto Reyes. Uh, his nickname's Foofy. I don't know why they call <laughs> Foofy. Yeah. Foofy. But he's a, you know, big bald guy who's uh, very successful and has, you know, he knows everybody down there, and uh, his restaurant is absolutely amazing. The back patio is bigger than the whole inside of the restaurant. Wow. He's got a glassed-in area with AC that has ventilation, so you can smoke in the middle of summer in the heat. I mean, the whole patio is covered, but part of it is enclosed glass, so you can still enjoy air conditioning mm. in the middle of summer while you're smoking a cigar, and they have a fantastic tomahawk steak. Ooh, uh, the great like wine a, like selection. Like a cigar steak, man. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, they got high-end McCowan's, they have it all, and the service is fantastic. So that's just to give you an idea. What's, that, what's the name of the place? Saga. S-A-G-A. Shout out to Saga. Zaga. So I gotta so I gotta ask you about it. Okay. So we're drinking, you know, it's not water for all those that are looking around. You can clearly see the bottle on the table. Is uh, some Casamigos tequila. Now Eric and I loved Casamigos. We actually drank way too much of it on his bachelor party. <laughs> um, but I must say, and you know, you brought this specifically saying, listen, this is what we're going to pair with this cigar today. Cause we had, we brought out Angel's Envy. We had some bourbon. You're like, no, listen, we're drinking tequila Which today. Great bourbon. Enjoy it. I said, you know what? Okay. Whatever. Dealer's choice. And I got to say, this pairing is damn good. And it's not, and it's not just straight tequila. No, he said on the rocks. It's yeah. A, bit a couple cubes and I'm, I'm blown away by it. I didn't think it was. I'm like, all right, you know, tequila and cigars. You know, I've had it before, but this is. Did you know that this was going to happen? Like, did you have this tequila with this cigar before, or is this a first for you as well? No, I've done this before. Okay, this is. I love to push pairings, and I like to pair cigars that with other drinks that most people are not normally pairing it with. So when and I've done events, I've actually done. Uh, tequila and cigars. I've done champagne and cigars, mm -hmm. white wine or red wine with, and of course, uh, when I'm speaking, I'm saying normally with Jay London's, but I've also done a lot of private events over the years with clients where, yeah, we'll do Jay London, but we'll also do like some other rare cigars and I'll create experiences, but we can go into that later. With the, the beauty of, man, a chilled Blanco tequila or Reposado tequila, it just, and in this case, like the Casa Amigos, um, shout out to George Clooney for selling that. You know, he was part owner, sold it for a billion yeah. dollars, right? 
Uh, yes. It's a great brand. Yeah, it's a great, great brand. brand. Yeah, I never drank it until I went to Arizona for my for my uh, bachelor party. Everyone was like, Casamigos, Casamigos, Casamigos. And I was just like, and We were drinking on This is good. This is good. <laughs> I can't stop drinking it. And uh, where am I right now? And you can imagine being, you know, on a bachelor party, we probably spent $10,000 on, you know, $300 worth I, of tequila. <laughs> but, yeah. An exaggeration, but yeah, you a know, good example. So, so what is it about, you know, that makes this pairing so good because tequila has a very distinct flavor all right and if you're not a tequila fan it's a, an acquired taste especially sipping like usually people do shots yeah. especially with blanco but what is it about this that it's for me uh specifically with the casamigos blanco uh the vanilla notes um it's lighter it's not overpowering the cigar right so the jay london gold series i would say is mild in strength but medium in body mm. especially if you retrohale mm-hmm. which is if you're going to smoke properly you should retrohale, right? Because you don't walk into a kitchen and only eat the food. First, you smell the food, right? And that's how you get that smile on your face because it smells so good and you want to experience it. That's a good analogy. And that's with cigar smoking. You have to retrohale for you to fully get the notes the master blender was trying to actually bring forth. And, you know, because we get the sweet, the salty, sure, you get that on the tongue. But the all the other notes, you know, the floral or like it's, I mean, they're endless, right? Yeah. But Which I would be careful if you've never retro before. Yes. Practice because <laughs> for, yeah. first couple times you do it. <laughs> it, it is eye-opening yeah. or eye-watering. It's, it's, yeah. it's not as easy as, as, it, as it looks. You know, it's not, you're not retrohaling hookah, which is flavored smoke. So it goes through very easily. Because I used to, when I used to smoke hookah, I used to do the retrohale. And then once I started smoking cigars, I'm like, oh, it's the same thing. And I was like, oh God, I'm fucking dead. Yeah, the smoke uh, density right? is, is much the, different. The first one is always rough. Like you got to get the first one out the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're, especially if it's the first cigar of the day. Your your you know your your palate your senses your taste buds your uh, sensory membranes inside your nose whatever yeah. they're not accustomed to the smoke yet so the first one's gonna be a little harsh your, you gotta, your eyes might walk you know it's like when you it's like when you have the first sip of of alcohol first yeah. sip of tequila first sip of bourbon the first one's kind of mm-hmm. get that one down you know coat everything and then the next one now you can really enjoy the flavors yeah it's funny because. Uh I, wa- I watched a video on YouTube years ago of a master blender talking and he was, he said very similar to what you said was, you know, you're not really getting, you're getting the basic flavors, pepper, you know, uh, sweetness from the tongue, but you really want to, if you really want to enhance your experience, use your nose and retrohale and that's where you get those different notes. And I just put out a video called Cigar Snob and I'm just make I'm make, kind of making fun of the people that are like, you know, I taste cookies and milk and banana peel. And there's a lot of people, there was actually, I thought it was just a dumb video I was just making, but a lot of people yeah. having a conversation on it like, hey, listen, you know, like retrohale and do this and, you know, pair it with this or bring aromas to this. And I'm like, you know, I was just making a joke, but it ended up being a huge discussion. But it's very, it's very true. I mean, I don't retrohale enough. I should, but I like it. It's just a great way to take your cigar smoking to another level and appreciate it to the fullest extent of what that master blender was trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And that's, right, so we're gonna do. We're gonna. I did the first one. Now we're gonna. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know. Already coded. If John right. London here is that's a great name by the way. Is that your real name? No. So my. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yes and no. So I mean, look, I got Jay London on my on my. I was gonna say that's a great name. It's that's in, like an actor name. You know, it's man. in my suit. Right. I love it. I mean, you have the yeah. whole embroidery, the whole yeah. monogram. This man, so. came, when he came out the car, I'm like, oh, you know, he came out, he had the blue pants on, a nice shirt. I'm like, okay. And he pulls out this jacket and the liner of the jacket's Jay London. I'm like, all right, this guy came Shoot to play. Cops, this boy came to play. Well, look, I, I know where I'm coming, right? <laughs> you know, right. you guys are dapper, right? I mean, 
that, well, that, you know, that cigar. cigar. Yeah, exactly. So it's our, and it's on my dang lighter right yeah, here. Yeah, it's on okay? the dang lighter. <laughs> but I mean, I, I told him, I was like, I said, because obviously we follow you and all that stuff. But I said, I know you always dressed out, but I said, but I think we should rock t-shirts today. I think you should rip the burn hey, down. Well, we want it to be I think similar. it looks yeah. great. The yeah. burn down podcast t-shirts and then rip. Come on. I'm suited and booted. It, Black it's and a blue. great contrast. It's <laughs> a great great contrast. So tell us. So J, so J London. So, right, yeah, so, so where my, did that my name from? is Jonathan Fiant, but it's Fiant, F-I-A-N-T. Gets mispronounced or misspelled all the time, like faint, flant, whatever. I know so, how it feels. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just like, all right, I'm Jay London, Jonathan London, like just it works. So uh, it's like it's like your pen name, John yes, London. Exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're, yeah, you're, all my all my suits say Jay London on it. Uh in certain parts of the world I get called Jay London. I mean, it's, it's if like, you say, "Hey, Jay London or Jonathan London," I'm yeah, gonna it's the same way. Like yeah. you say, "Hey, yeah. brother, cigar." It's, hey, dapper cigar. It's yeah, yeah, you get it's the same thing. I mean, it's it's almost like James Bond. Like it's right? a very silky name. Like it's like, John, that's like his John actor London. name, right? It's his act, That's his stage name, London, John London. You know, it's like <laughs> it's a great name, man. It's a hell of a Thank good you. name. It's All right, so we got to do now. We got to do the wet retro hail, right? Because we're smoking, we're smoking John London with John London. We got to do the retro. He says the retro hail. We got a retro hail. I always found, by the way, with retro hailing, that. Again, for the people that are not used to it, if you want to slowly get into it, blow some of the smoke out first, and then the last little bit you can retrohale because it's not as harsh as like if you just yeah. take the first shot and try to retrohale the whole thing, eye opening. No, right? that's yeah. great advice, and that's actually how I tend to retrohale myself. Is I'll start blowing it out my mouth a little bit, and then do exactly what you said, and the rest out the nose. Yeah, like I did the whole thing, and my eyes are about to cry right now. Yeah, but. That's what I'm saying. Like the first one, you know. But it's good. It's, it's Well, you know, right. and this is an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper. So people would look at this and tell you it's a very mild cigar. It's that not. It's, it, that it's too, it's too weak or yeah. there's not enough flavor there Mm-mm. for you. I'm glad Mm-mm. you said that because you're an example that I give to people all the time um, about a, a Connecticut wrapper. Because people are like, if it's, a, if it's a light wrapper, it means it's mild, right? And I go, no. 90% yes, <laughs> no, 10% like, no. You know, for the most part... And correct me if I'm wrong. It is a mild cigar, but you're an example where it's not a mild cigar. And I'll send. I would send people your Instagram or like just a picture of your cigar and say, "Here, this is an example of a Connecticut cigar, Connecticut wrapper, but it's not mild." No, you're absolutely right, and it has to do with the blending. And the binder is actually an, also an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper grade leaf. Okay, right. So there is a lot of lighter tobacco on this cigar, but. When it's done properly, it brings this beautiful medium-bodied smoke that does have a little bit of spice to it. Right, I can taste the spice for you know? sure. Yeah, especially on the retro hail. But retro you hail also hail. right, but you also get that creaminess or cedar or wheat or honey that comes through, and that's a be- to me it's a balanced cigar, and that's what's important to me is I wanted something that is savory, that is balanced, it's smooth, it's going to hit you on the front of the palate. The sweet, the salty, not on the back where the sour, yeah. the bitter notes are. Mm-hmm. That's and elegant, right? So Class. when we first lit it up and we're sitting in uh, William Ventura's office and it's William, it's Henderson Ventura, and it's myself. And Henderson takes a few puffs and he's like, this is truly elegant. And that was what I wanted to achieve with it. Absolutely. So now I know you got, no, this is the one... Um, I guess, I don't want to say brand. It's a label. The one label that you have, right? And then you have multiple different uh, Vitolas of this one label. Uh, 
what are some of the differences between the flavors that you get? Because I say this all the time with people that you can have the same exact blend. You can have the same binder, same wrapper, same filler. But if you have two different sizes, mm. they're going to taste differently. And the biggest point is get a Toro and get a Lancero. They're both going to be, you know, six. Get a Churchill and a Lancero. They're both seven inches. But one's going to be 50 ring, 48 ring. And the other one's going to be 36. And the 36 is going to have completely different flavors than... So what are some of the differences in the flavor? We're smoking the, the this is a Lonsdale. Yeah, this is a Lonsdale. So, so what would be uh, the flavors like? Six and when, a half by 42. Like when you get smaller into one of these or like a Robusto, what are some of the flavors that you're going to pick up more in these than All you would on so this? So I'm glad that you brought that up. So you're absolutely right. I used to work on the retail side for many years. And so what I learned from working on the retail side and pairing people's palates and smoking, you know, cigars day after day, year after year was... Whatever the manufacturer, they, they each picked normally a Robusto was the Sa- Vitola that they would blend it in initially. And then from there, they would add their other Vitolas to it. But what they would do is they would just guesstimate the ratios and then produce them. And I know you guys have been smoking long enough to know that there's certain lines of cigars where you're like, man, I love it in this size. But forget the rest of the other sizes, right? Mm-hmm, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we've worked so hard on, having my background be on that side to understand. So we, we've taken up to a year just to bring out a new size of this blend because of our test process, right? So we're, we want every size to have its own uniqueness about it and have the blend represented in a way where, yes, it is still the core creaminess smoothness savory but that it stands on its own and where you're almost left with conflict of which one you like more like good problem to have uh, yeah right? and it's so- almost it's almost like you have different you know yes it's the same label but it's almost like you have completely six different cigars, different cigars. yeah because most of the time people say oh no i've had that cigar before but yeah but did you have it in the Correct. Did you have it in the right. Lancero? Like, it's a different cigar if you have it in that size. Most people don't know that. So, perfect example of this is uh, there's a manager of the Cigar Republic in Contrahawken, Pennsylvania, which is uh, near where I live. Very familiar with Contrahawken. (laughs) (laughs) And Louis Love is an icon in... Louis Love. Yeah, Louis Love is an icon in in that area. He's worked at the original Tinderbox, uh, Wooden Indian, uh, Cigar Republic, and he's been in the cigar industry, let's say, 20 plus years. So I want to say I was at like PCA last year and I just come out with a couple new sizes, but I'd given a few to him early. Uh, and he's texting me every morning. He's like, bro, oh, the Belcoso is my new favorite. The next morning he's like, dude, this box press Robusto is my new favorite. Like, and that, that's the whole point of it and why we take so long is we want you to be able, even though yes, it is only one line, right? One blend theoretically, but that you can have different experiences within the line and show the versatility, show that uniqueness of each Vitola, mm. right? And so that's and why it takes so long to bring it out because we'll actually uh, age everything minimum of three months. Then we'll ship it up to the U.S. or I'll age it in the U.S. And then I'll also ship some out to Arizona, to Las Vegas, where there's almost no humidity. So mm. I have people whose palates I trust to smoke them out there and provide me feedback then i'm smoking and also having some retailers smoke as well that I, whose palates i trust 
and we're testing in Pennsylvania, which has different humidity so levels. People minus, in right? two completely different yes. climates. Yeah, and then process. if everybody signs off, then I go back to the factory and say, "All right, it's good to go." Yeah, which then till it gets produced, aged, it's going to be five, six months more. So we're looking at like nine months. If and it has happened where the, some of us did not sign off on one of the vitolas after they had been produced in aged three months. Then we, I took notes, went back to the factory, said, hey, we need to adjust this and this. You know, here's what I need more of, less of. Then have them and start do it all again, over again. Start all <laughs> over again. Age them another three months. Test them with the same people. Everybody has to sign off. Then put it in production. But see, you're doing it the right way because you're taking your time. Because we said the same thing. That's why it's t- taken almost two years to, for us to release our cigar. Because you have to, you know, if you're going to put your name on something, and you're going to mass produce this, you want to make sure that it's done correctly. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of times that people come out and they just, they'll go to a, a manufacturer and they'll say, hey, listen, you know, I want to make do a cigar with you. And they'll just take a, a blend that never made it in, you know, for instance, let's say it's, uh, you know, pick one, AJ Fernandez. Let's say they have a bunch of lines. They'll have some throwaways that never really made it. And people just take those and rebrand and put their name on it. Yeah, absolutely. Say, right. But that's a shit cigar. Yeah. Take your time to do it. And it's good too that you have, you know, if you can have this much diversity with one label, when you come out with a new label, people are like, holy shit, what is this yeah. going to taste like? Right. Two things. So, one, when you said vanilla and the tequila, mm-hmm. all I kept thinking about was vanilla. So now I'm tasting vanilla in my tequila. So thank you. <laughs> but then I just retrohaled. And yes. I, I got a little vanilla on the cigar too. I got some. I it's got a, some mint too in it's there. It's weird. Like how on the retro hill, I instantly almost like menthol. I'm like, it's like putting I'm it like, into the into the into the atmosphere or the world. Like I've tasted vanilla so far. I mean, I love vanilla. I'm a chocolate ice cream guy, but I do like vanilla, and it's and it's bizarre because I've tried like when we first uh, taste tested our cigar, we Justin had like an aroma kit. And it was like oh, it was great. It was like uh, wood shavings, vanilla, great. chocolate. So we would smoke the cigar, and then we would kind of sniff the aroma, whatever it was. And it wasn't always what was in the in the testing glass, but like it was like a weird combination of what you were smoking, mm-hmm. what the aroma, and it's just weird how your brain, your senses, like mush everything together and give you something. Yeah, it's we so had. Bizarre. It was a company called I think it was called Know Your Nose, uh, and they it was actually designed for whiskey, a whiskey kit. And I said, you know what it. The flavors and the, the smells are very similar with whiskey as, as cigars. A, a few things you won't like. You're not really going to taste, you know, hops, barley, or, or maybe some wheat, but you are going to taste the caramel, the leather, the yeah. coffee, the chocolate. So we actually we took out some of the ones that aren't really descriptors in cigars, and we replaced them with other ones, um, like cinnamon. is not something you're really going to pick up in whiskey, but you'll pick it up in cigars. So we replace it, and all it is just little jars. And as you're smoking your cigar, you're like, hmm, what is that? You smell caramel. No, that's not it. Okay. Vanilla. Yeah, that, I think that's it. And you, and you can go back and when you smell it over here and then try to smell it, you can really put two and two together. It's 100%. And um, the, the other point I wanted to bring I thought was interesting is that I never thought of taste testing cigars in different areas mm-hmm. of the country due to humidity. That's, that's pretty wild. So it made me think of when you said Arizona, my grandfather told me back in the 1940s. 
when people were sick and had respiratory issues and couldn't breathe, they would ship them out to Arizona because it was just so open and dry before the Industrial Revolution. And they live out there for a year, and all of a sudden, they're good to go, and they come back. And now you say, you know, I ship some guys into, uh, into Arizona with their cigar palate, or their palates that I trust, and people in Pennsylvania, you know, different humidity, different temperatures. And you don't, you know, an average person doesn't think of that. So it's, it's a wild, and it's interesting, and it's beautiful about cigars. Like, there's so much more that goes into cigars and getting it down. It's not just making a cigar. Like, I got a guy in Arizona that's tasting it because of humidity and it's hot as hell. And I got a guy in Pennsylvania because he's in the mountains and it's cold and it's wet. And if they come together and say the same thing, all right, we're good to go. And you know what's another good thing, too, is is you love pairings. You were talking about, you know, pairing these specific spirits with cigars. What I like doing, too, is if you can you – know, you pull a cigar in your mouth and if you can get a sip – of the the spirit while the smoke is in your mouth just completely changes the flavor it's like the same thing where you have you know if you have the right wine with a steak or the right wine and then you have a piece of chocolate and then try the wine again it just or a piece of cheese and then try the wine again it's it changes the flavor completely this is all handcrafted consumable art right the spirits are handcrafted. Consumable, consumable art. art. That's yes. good. That's damn. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Okay. Consumable art. That's wow. hilarious. It's two to 300 hands, at least from seed to final production. Yeah. Right. This is truly handcrafted consumable art. And I've been saying it for many years. Uh, back that. to my We might days. be saying it on the podcast. Yes. Fucking you're, love you're welcome, we might, we you're welcome just, to use oh, it. You're welcome man. to use it. What is it? March, to, uh, yes. April 20th, Jay London Cigars in Burndown. That's going to be the studio. thumbnail. We we are, a picture of him is in consumable art. Yes. That's the thumbnail. That right we're there. taking that. We're working <laughs> on you're, you're welcome to. And we'll give you to credit every single time. <laughs> Thank you. So this is... Man, it's just, there's it's so special, right? And I just you can't rush the hands of time. I know there's people, for example, in the bourbon world who are trying to produce bourbon that tastes like it's been aged twelve years, but it takes it's them not, six months, right? Yeah. yeah, I've tried some of it; it was horrible. Yeah, um, when you have somebody my, like say, my it, opinion, you know, um, it's it tastes like it's twelve years, but it's only been aged six. I go. Then it don't taste like it's, or it's only been six hey, months. It don't taste like it's twelve you know, years. Okay, age at twelve, and then it'll taste twelve. Exactly, <laughs> and and so I I have such a respect for the process, right? For the art of it, and we, I mean, we can go down so many avenues. Yeah, right? please. At, I mean, at, you know, from the way that it's such a connector, and and you know, on one of your podcasts, you all talked about like the presidential debates should be done, yeah. up, like. With cigars. I love that you listen. Man. I love that you listen. We got a man, and yes. I don't. I was a guest. He listens to the show. Yeah, it's yes, so absolutely. Fun. I do I listen to the show. I appreciate you guys it. are great, and it's an honor and pleasure to be here. And, uh, the energy that comes across when I'm listening to the podcast, you guys have in person. And, All right, thank uh, you. It's it's fantastic. So you heard it here first, yes. right? We ain't That's bullshit. Okay. Straight up yes. authentic New Yorkers. That's why <laughs> New York authentic, baby. You know it. And yeah. I said that I said that to you before. I said, man, it's good to hear people, especially people in the industry, kind of regurgitate what you say. I mean, you know, people actually care about us. Like, you actually <laughs> listen. It's cool. Because, you know, you only hear so much. Like, we come to the studio and we put it out. And, you know, people, we talk to people on Instagram and stuff, but to hear actual words and someone who is prolific in the industry feel good. It feels good. So, thank you. So, John, tell us, you know, let's take it. Let's take it all the way back. Okay. I was just gonna. I was just thinking that you're gonna ask that. See, we we're on the same page, man. We Tell, vibe. Come on. So, take us back. How did you get into cigar? How did Jay London become 
Jay London cigars. I'm going to take it even further back. Who was who was JF, not Jay London, in high school? Who were you in high school? <laughs> yeah, let's go, let's let's go back. back. Well, yeah, let's go. How did you? Oh, how did you, you? know, who were you? How did you get into cigars? And then how did you come out with your own? Yeah. decide to come out. with I your love own hearing line? stories. Well, I'm glad that you brought it back to high school because that's when I first got into cigars. All right, All right. let's go. Let's so, go. Jonathan Fiant in high school. Uh, depends what what year it was. Uh, I was a nerd. <laughs> I was a geek. I got picked on, bullied, and then I grew up. And uh, then at some point, I realized that. You know, popularity didn't mean shit and find good people and that's how I should live my life is no just doubt. surround myself Amen with good people no matter what who they are or where they came from, right? And so That's a good message to to bring to the world, especially today in the image, because I'm uh, sure bullying is mm-hmm. through the roof with the internet. I can't know? even imagine now what kids go through and especially with the internet too. Oh, like, cause just, when we when we went to school, I mean I don't at know least how, it was done when you got yeah. home, right? You, yeah. You know, like, the internet right, wasn't yeah. as popular. It was around, but you're not getting internet bullying. Well, yeah, I'm like, a little older than you guys. Okay, yeah, I mean, we, we were yeah. probably the, the, the last bit of high school or... Yeah, we were. I, I, I think on my generation, I was born in 91, we were like the last generation where internet, cell phones weren't always a thing. It wasn't yeah. until I was in eighth grade, maybe, which was 2004-ish, where really I got my first cell phone because, you know. Lucky. Yeah. I got a Motorola flip phone in 2004 in eighth grade. Mike, <laughs> Mike Jones. I was in fucking high school. <laughs> my ringtone was Mike Jones back then. Yeah, back then I, they didn't I want had me. a prepaid Virgin Mobile flip phone. Okay, at least you got the Motorola with the freaking. <laughs> so it, anyway. so I, I always like to say, and I take pride in kind of knowing i can relate to some old timers that were performing who didn't have cell phones and internet because i was through that and now obviously i can relate to the younger guys because i i raised was through with the iphone was yeah we have high social media platforms like yeah obviously so all right so high school all right so that's when i first got into cigars so i was a senior in high school uh my dad got me my first pack i think i was flying on a plane and i see in the back of like on united's hemispheres magazine there were some cigars advertised, probably like Thompson cigars or something. I'm yeah. like, oh, this looks like a great deal. Ten cigars for thirty four dollars. This, <laughs> this is awesome. All right, Dad, can you buy me these? Right, and um, so I remember sitting with a friend of mine. We were smoking inside of his house because his mom smoked cigarettes. So and we're in a row home uh, near Reading, Pennsylvania, and uh, which, if you know about Reading, Pennsylvania, for it, I don't. It, it was the heroin capital of the East Coast for a while. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, wow. It, yeah, after the mob, after they got the mob out, the city just went to shit. Um, really? So, was that around Philly? Yeah, uh, it's about an hour from Philly. Okay, uh, but uh, yeah, so we were smoking in there, coughing our whole way through. I had a Partagas non-Cuban cigar. <laughs> Didn't know how to smoke. Was that the first cigar? That was yet? my first cigar. It was a Partagas Nike. Yeah. And, you know, I cut way too much. Like, I mean, we're talking, I <laughs> yep. cut off all the way down to the band. Like, I made every rookie mistake there was. Yes. Right? Like, now, I was the cigar guy to my friends because I would jump in. Like, I bought a box of cigars called the Wall Street because, you know, I like. <laughs> Why not? I, you know, I, I was wearing suits at 16. I don't know. I, just, yeah. I like to wear suits. Like, yeah. You know, I, most people don't, but I do. Right. And so, you know, I even. One time, smoked half a cigar and then let it go out, and then I put it back in my humidor, oh, and I ruined my entire no. humidor. Right? Oh no! Yeah, so I made every mistake in the book that you could make, right? Um, and but that's how I learned. And then from there, uh, I was in the fitness industry. Uh, obviously, that was a lifetime ago. Uh, but I was actually at a Gold's Gym, and then I moved from there to Texas, to Sugarland, Texas, to be sales rep for Lifetime Fitness which is one of the top gyms in the entire country. Mm-hmm. 
and I became the number one sales rep in the nation for a lifetime. Nice. And wow. Came from sales. Love yes. it. And Love so, it. Eh? We're on the right path. Yes. And that actually led me to the cigar world because I didn't know anybody in Sugarland, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston and is was at that time, I think it was like the third most pop, like best town to live in in the country. You're voted, all that. And so I joined a cigar club, a private cigar club. And I, they gave me a tour the first day and they're like, what do you smoke? And I'm like, oh, I smoke Macanudo Portofinos, which are like the Lanceros, right? And they just, like, every member there just started laughing at me. <laughs> that's fine. I'll always remember it. But, and so the manager, he's like, let me get you a real cigar. And he got me a Monte Cristo white label. He's like, all right, we need to start you basic, right? Yeah. He got me a Monte Cristo white. And good cigar, you know, just classic, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, lighter. Good, always recommend that cigar. Yeah, good entry point, you know, for a lot, for newer smokers or inexperienced smokers. And then from there, I just, I dug in and my boss at Lifetime was an asshole. So I told him to fuck off one day and I quit. And I and did you, now did you have anything back up? No, you were, no, I was just like, fuck, fuck you, huh. you're an asshole. Love it. Let's unpack that a little bit. Let's, yeah. let's <laughs> unpack that story. So, you know, his metric was I needed to make a hundred phone, phone calls a day and all this, but I was selling more than anybody else, mm -hmm. and I was doing it because I was building genuine relationships with people who were feeding me potential other new gym members. So. I was like, why do I need to make all these phone calls? I'm selling more. I have people calling me, yeah. feeding me, helping. I'm selling memberships. Like, isn't that the goal of this? And he's like, no, you need to make more calls. So I'm like, I quit. You're done. I'm fuck you. Yes. Yeah, that's that just lost your number one. Yeah. That's so interesting that you said that because I just read something that uh, s someone who interviewed a handful of failed leaders, he called them. He said, the reason why leaders who have failed is because they don't, they didn't know how to, um, like engage or deal with people that they were in charge of and that it sounds like a perfect example right there i mean like if you have your top salesperson in the country and you're telling him to hammer the phone a hundred phone calls a day and he doesn't want to do it because he's getting referrals he's getting phone calls there's a misconnection there and you just lost yeah the and he guy. could easily see you know the the way to go about that is instead of he would just, he could have just went to you and said listen like hey you know we need to grow more whatever you're doing do more of it yeah right exactly. and then you'd be like fine yeah, cool you know, like the, at the end of the day, it's the bottom line. I don't give a shit if you're sitting on your toilet and you're making all the yeah. the sales. Like, whatever you're doing, it's working. Do more of it. It's not. <laughs> okay. What is the saying? If it's not broke, you know, don't you fix it. Don't fix exactly. It. Right. So, at that point, I was out of a job, yeah. and Fuck so <laughs> I approached the owners of the cigar bar, cigar shop. It, they didn't sell liquor, so called a private cigar club with the retail area. And I said, "Look, I'm looking for a job." They're like, "Cool, we're looking for a manager. We'll teach you cigars." And so that's what they did. They flew me down to Honduras. I got to go to the Camacho factory in Honduras. And this was pre-Davidoff buying Camacho. Okay. So Christian and Julio, his father, were running it. And they were doing incredible. In fact, Camacho at that time, some of my all-time favorite cigars. Hey, Camacho was huge. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and they produced so many amazing cigars. Well, it is still now it's with Davidoff. Right. Yeah. And they produced so many. Uh, to me, the best Corojo tobacco uh is that they produced uh to me the best corojo came from the camacho factory uh field farms they had because they and they still even to this day they own from what i understand they actually they sold the brand they sold the company but they didn't sell the rights to the farmland mm, okay. and so that's why you see like the aladino cigar uh aladino, which has yeah. corojo right which is a cigar that I, I very much enjoy like i enjoy those lines because that's christian's father right that's that's julio yeah. and 
Carrillo, uh, what is it? Carrillo? Is there a Carrillo ninety eight? Right? Is that what it's? There's a the Carrillo. Carrillo ninety eight. There's Carrillo, and then there's Carrillo. With the you're talking the Carrillo ninety eight. Yeah. The, right? So there's two different two difference two differences. Well, there's well, there's many different. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, one I'm talking about. But the Carrillo ninety eight you're yeah. saying about. Yeah, they have multiple variations of it. But yes, there's some of the best tobacco, and it's it's can be very finicky to work with. And so, actually, I know uh, numerous uh, master blenders who don't really work with Corojo tobacco, but uh, Christian, his father, did a great job with it. And some that's probably why you know he figured it out, and he's like, you know what, a lot of people don't know how to do it, and I figured it out, so I'm not selling these dang farms. (laughs) As the story goes. Christian's father uh, was one of the few survivors of the Bay of Pigs. Oh, and so wow. he escaped Cuba with nothing but seeds in his pocket. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I, That's I didn't a legend a, right there. I right, didn't have a chance to ask him, but I mean, that alone, right? He's like, shit, before I go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get a handful of these yes, bad boys. Yes. And, you know, they built it up and uh, to something amazing. Obviously, he sold it off to Davidoff. But so I, I went from there and I just, once I saw the fields, I saw the factory and I saw the worker and just it got in my heart and soul. Yeah, (laughs) we're all smiling right now. Like we can't help ourselves just thinking about that. Kids on Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And so from there, I was like a human sponge. And I just any cigar rep that came in, any brand owner that came in, I just sat down with them for as long as I could. And I asked them as many questions as possible. And I would ask a question, and I would just shut up and listen, because God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Amen to that. Right? And so I'm blessed. Uh, you know, I mean, like Nick Perdomo back in the day, he came through, and like I got to just sit with him one on one, right, and just learn from him. Yeah, how many people get to do that? Right? Yeah, right. Especially nowadays, right? Yeah. You know, he's you know he's grown up so much because I got in the industry in 2007, mm. so I've I've been at it for a while. You've been around and the block. It's, 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 changed, it's changed my life. Yeah. Um, and most of my friends are in, they smoke cigars and uh, business dealings. It's just it's amazing. That's, what it comes so that's a key thing too. Is a lot of business dealings are done, you know, over cigar and also on the golf course, right? Like that's another thing too. Like that's why a lot of you see a lot of guys. They don't be good at golf. Just if you can play golf, because what goes with golf? Cigars. Yeah. So you got a group of guys trying to make a business deal. You go on a golf course. You bring a couple cigars. Listen, I, I, I'm going to Florida tomorrow night. Everyone's like, everyone packed? Yeah, what are you guys bringing? I said, listen, all I packed last night, I packed last night. I said, all I packed was cigars. Everything else is secondary, man. Yeah. I, can, I can show up naked. I don't even care. And they're like, oh. and one guy was like, Eric, you got to teach me everything about cigars. But I'm like, yeah, not possible. I can throw, bags in, <laughs> I can throw a bag of clothes in the bag. But I said, uh, I said, I, all I packed was cigars. And was my, my, uh, my wife was in the shower. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start packing. Let me get cigars ready. And that's all I passed. That's, that's priority it. number one. <laughs> that's it. That's it, man. I had, all, I had everything out of my bed. I'm like, all right. It's always, the, anytime one. we go on vacation, the first thing is cigars. It, I, I calculate. I'm like, yes. how many days am I going to be there? How many cigars am I going to need? All right. And then I need to bring double that because I know people are going to ask for them. So mm. I got to line them all up. And I need this one for the morning. This one. Bring kind of the, the, the ski bots ones for the people who don't really smoke. <laughs> bring the, the ski bots. The ones for me. Yeah. All right. So, so. You're, you're a sponge. You're learning everything you possibly can. You're the manager at this place. You're going down to Honduras. You're learning all this stuff. Now, take us from that point to J. London. All right. So, I was there for about a year and a half, and I grew revenue 20 to 70% month over month for that entire time. And at that point, I told the owners, I'm like, hey, can we open up a second store? Like, we're doing better than we ever have. I, I can handle more responsibility. And they're like, no, we're not doing... That, How did you right? do that? How did you drive revenue through the roof? When you Same way that? you did it at Lifetime. Right? Yeah, I built relationships, <laughs> and I also 
provided information, knowledge. I imparted knowledge on others, right? So if a customer came in and, and I would ask them some questions to understand their baseline. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, my goal was to be able to sell them something that fit what they were looking for or what I believed was going to be best for their palate, right? So what are some of those questions that you would ask them? All right. So, well, first I'd ask how often they smoke. What do they tend to drink when they're smoking? Because, um, for example, right, if they say, oh, I love to drink coffee with cigars or I drink whiskey with cigars, those can be two different avenues. And then it can also be, so let's say you tell me you like to drink whiskey with cigars, but you like to drink your whiskey neat versus on the rocks, then I know you can probably handle mm. a four strength cigar, okay. right? A four body or a stronger cigar because you're able to handle higher proof on your palate, right? You know, how, so I'd go through all these questions and I had the whole repertoire. And then from there, I was kind of, oh, also, do they smoke cigarettes, mm-hmm. chew tobacco, right? Because you're smoking like Marlboro Reds, for example. <laughs> all right. Well, let me, I can get you this triple arrow cigar because <laughs> you should, right? You you're know, inhaling they, Marlboro Reds. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> I can give you anything in the shop and it's going to be mild, you know. And then they, I would earn their trust, right? Because I would pair their palate 99 out of 100 times. I would be right on the mark or damn near close to it. So they would come back and then they would start asking me more questions. All right. Well, what do you recommend or what are you smoking? We'd go from there. And so I just built those relationships and then I would educate them on the blends. I'd educate them on the manufacturers. I would, you know, because I was learning all this from the reps or from the brand owners. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to sh- pass that knowledge along. And so that's what I did. And so there's a lot of people in Houston, Texas who can tell you that they smoked a hell of a lot more cigars after they met me. Uh, <laughs> in fact, <laughs> in fact, one of the groomsmen in my wedding, uh, his name is JT. He is uh, he's a serial entrepreneur in Houston. But we met in 2007, and at that time he was working for AT and T, like overseeing a couple stores. And he walks in for a cigar, and he'll tell you he walked out with a cigar club membership, <laughs> a locker, a humidor, and a box of cigars. Yep, right? yep. And we've been friends ever since. Right. That's funny because that remind. I don't want to cut you off, but that reminds me of um, we had a guy, an intern. That actually, no, he's a new hire that came through our office, and we, you know, all the new hires, we come through, we train him for like a year and ship him out. And he never smoked cigars, and they had just opened up Matador cigars right by the office. And it was a blessing and a curse because, you know, it was great to have the cigar lounge there, but it was also a curse because now I'm there every single day, like after work, just. But the kid came and never smoked a cigar before. I said, "Come on, like you're smoking today, right? It's Friday. We're going out for lunch. We're going to do sushi and cigars, dude, every Friday." So we brought him in. Light up cigar. By the end of that summer. He went down to, he shipped him to Florida. He had a full humidor filled out with all the cigars, cutter, lighter. He had the whole works. And he goes, You guys suck. <laughs> I'm like, But you I'm, changed his life. Yeah. In a positive way. Yeah. Right? Well, exactly. Um, it's great. Yeah, it's depending on who you ask. Right, unless, you ask his, <laughs> unless you ask his doctor, right? Um, so after I did that and built it up, uh, we came to a crossroads. So I left and I actually got insurance for a little bit, hated it. It was not my thing to sit behind the desk. Yeah. Right. I, I need to be, I love to be with people creating experiences and cigars are a great way to either enhance an experience or some are so special. They are the reason for the experience. And so I always kept a foot in the door and I consulted the industry and then I filled in for cigar reps if they couldn't make an event or something. And then an opportunity came about uh, where there was an exotic car club. So you'd pay a membership and you could have, and depending what tier of membership, you could drive certain levels of exotic cars X number of days a year, right? So let's say, you know, you, uh, you know, you want to ha- 
cruise around. And so one day you're taking on a Ferrari and then you got your family and you want to take a Bentley, you know, for a nice family dinner, right? So that was, they were, they had the car club, but they were building a social lounge. And so they built a 12,000 square foot, $3 million build out, gold leaf on the ceiling, social club that was 5,000 to join and then 200 or 250 a month. And they, that's not bad at all. Yeah. That wow. is cheap. Well, Yes, that is cheap relative to the fact that that was just the social arm and you didn't get to drive the cars. Good right? point. <laughs> so, yes, if that had included but the see, cars. They, you know, that's how they get you. Though. They right. get into the social club and they're like, hey, by the way, if you want to drive the car. For another you know, small fee. Another $1,000 or whatever it is a exactly. month. Exactly. Right? So, right? so it was, yeah, it was yeah. a feeder basically, right? Yeah. But it was also a great way for the members they already had to hang out conduct a lot of business oh so if you're already a member you kind of got access to that yeah theoretically yeah, yeah basically okay. so uh they're like all right well in the specs they're like well we can put a cigar shop here you can sell to the public do all this and uh you just need to come up with a quarter million dollars well i didn't have the quarter million dollars so that they went with somebody else that lasted all three days and then they called me back and said look we'll figure something out uh we want you we don't want the other people and so what we did is we took a closet, converted it into a walk-in humidor where it could fit literally two people. I could do a hundred facings, all right, so a hundred boxes on the shelves, and we did it inside of the cigar bar then, and that's how we did it. And wow. I begged and borrowed <laughs> uh, to get fifty grand to start it, and then you know next year I was selling a quarter million in rare cigars out of there, and. What I was selling, my goal with that, because I always loved the treasure hunt, right? And so I had some cigar mentors in my early years who would hand me aged cigars or some rare cigars. And so that just, it got me hooked, right? And so I would travel the world trying to find the rare cigars I could. So I was going to London twice a year uh, for a rare cigar auction, and I would you know, pick up some pre-embargo Cubans, wow. right? Stuff like that. And then I would buy out of private collections around the U.S. And so you could walk into my humidor and there could be cigars sitting on the shelf there from as far back as 1901, the year Teddy Roosevelt became president of the United States. 1901. Yeah. Oh, Holy my hell. God. Are they still around? How can I get my hands on? We talked, we had a, a talk about some of like the rarest cigars in the world. I know. I listened to that episode. I'm like, <laughs> I go, how do we get, like, I want some of the ones that, what's his name, got, um, uh, before the embargo, JFK, uh, the, the H. Upmans, the the Upmans. H. Upmans. I was like, I want to get some of them. <laughs> By the way, did you ever see the YouTube video of Pierre Salinger? His uh, the old, old, it's like a bunch of old men in the room, right? And they, yeah. So Pierre Salinger was like his, uh, I don't know, it wasn't presser. It, it was his guy. Yeah, it was his right guy, right? Man. Yeah. yeah, right. And so. Have you seen that video? Yes, yes, All yes, right. I have. All right, and when he's telling that story, right? He's like in a conference room with a bunch of guys, yes. and he's telling me, hey, JFK called me, and he's like, this is what I need, and he's like, and he gave him 24 yeah, hours. Was, right, and then he brings him into the Oval <laughs> Office, and then, right, and says, Such did you get it? Yes, move. Mr. President, I did, and then JFK reaches in the upper right-hand desk drawer, pulls out the embargo to Cuba, which I think was February 7, 1962, and then he signs it into law, right? That, that's, that, it, that's, his that's, that's his geek coming out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the geek side that's of me coming out, right? Listen, I was a geek too, so I can say it, okay? Yeah, I love the history. History, right i love the history of it you know i've had cigars uh from nazi germany with third reich tax stamps still on them oh, you know wow. right and germany what is it was third reich what third reich third, third reich what is yes. that? i don't even know what so that is so the eagle swastika oh, like the, oh, the, oh yeah, yeah shit right? nazi cigars. yeah nazi right <laughs> uh, in a horrible obviously very horrible yeah time but, but it's still his, historical time yeah 
And Nazi Germany was close to Brazil. So one of the boxes was actually Brazilian tobacco, right? Because they were very close supplying cigars to Nazi Germany. Another box that I had was a cigar box from 1929. It was Benson and Hedges, which is a cigarette manufacturer. I had no idea until I discovered this box in a collection in Florida. I'm searching through like a warehouse full of like wine and cigars. Um, and I'm like up on like, like I'm 20 feet up. Like he had stuff stacked way up. I'm up sitting on boxes and I'm going like pallets of stuff. And I'm, there's these cigars over here. Like, and it was, it was all, you know, maintained. Like it was a very private yeah. Uh, yeah. experience. And, uh, yeah, so they were selling for 15 cents. They were from 1929. Uh, they were Cuban tobacco rolled in Tampa, and they still had so much flavor to them, wow. right? So I love those. That, you need to so have a, a, that needs to be a show. These are I mean, gems. These are, like when you talk about unicorn cigars, like there's unicorn cigars, right? And there's certain like, for instance, you know, one off the bat is the you know Arturo Fuente football, right? Yeah. They only made a few of them. They made it for Dan Marino. They only made 13 of them. They you can't even get them anymore. Those are unicorn. But then there's these that are unicorn like unicorn cigar. fucking cigars that you aren't you can't even you don't even know that they exist until you stumble upon them like that at least you know the footballs you know they're out there and you might be able to yeah. scoop one up but these you don't even know exist until you stumble on them and you do some research like holy fucking shit yeah. holy fucking shit <laughs> unicorn cigars yeah and that was so exactly and and so to be able to bring that to my friends to my clients right that that was such a special experience and to be able to tell the stories um, and those are the cigars that I was referencing earlier where some cigars are so special, they are the reason for the experience. Yes. And those are all examples of cigars where they are the reason for the experience, wow. right? And you will never forget where you were when you mm-hmm. smoked it. And that alone, that sets it apart, right? Yeah. Like you, you will forever have marked that day. And by choosing to invest your money in that experience, you bought that experience that you will always have for mm. the rest of your life. And you can tell people that you actually experienced a part of history, right? And um, that's just, man, it, it gets me. Gets, it gets, just, going. And, right, gets yeah, me going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that led to me being featured in Cigar Journal. And then um, I did some stuff. Uh, there was an article on Cigar and Spirits and some other things. But that, that kind of really got me out there, right? And then in... 2013 NBA All-Star Game was in Houston, Texas. And so the all- NBA All-Star parties are off the chain. And so this... Uh, uh, Yo! No! That's one! No! That's okay. one, baby! That. That's on me. That is 100% a rookie move. I was just going to tap it. That is so 100 score so far for the year? It's right behind you on the wall, man. You got Take that off of me. We got to... Uh... <laughs> All right. God. That's... You know, it's, it's fun because we were... Um... I thought about it, too. I said, man, hopefully no one pulls a rookie move oh, today. I love it because we were trying to find... We were trying to... Like a previous we were trying to episode, what yeah, we're like, now. what is it? Like, obviously, if you drop it on yourself, but we were saying, you know, most of the time you're gonna drop it on and the table. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so we we're trying to figure out what is actually a, a rookie move. Obviously, you drop on yourself, a rookie move, but most of the time in this setup, you're gonna drop it on the table. But yeah, that is 100 percent a rookie move. So that yeah. is going on the board. No, I, 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 I concur. It, you know, it dropped it on the table. Like that, it is what it is. But it actually landed on my wrist and it didn't move. So, god damn. All right, ready? We're gonna do it. I'm gonna show you right yeah. here on this. Yes. <sighs> Here we go. You, you know what? If it's going to be with anyone, it's going to be with Mr. J. London himself. So it's okay. It is, it is now 1-0. And it, you know, just for for clarification, Justin did have one, but then we changed the setup 
We so did. We did. We yeah, did. I, was, I was about to ask that. We did take oh, it away yeah. because we okay. were trying. Because like, it happened before the setup, and yeah. now we have the new setup. So we're like, all right, we got to make it a wash. Yeah. So we were kind of like, what, you know, what is a rookie move? Like, all right, we're going to be smoke. Like, it, if it falls on the table, like, that it yeah. can't be a rookie move. But, like, if we're back here or if it falls on you or if, it if falls you hit your, your mic chair, with it, if you hit your mic in it. Yeah. So that is 100% a rookie move. Damn. Oh, I'm so happy. He was the first one. He was like, no. Oh shit! Oh yeah, shit! I love it. it. I love it. Damn. All right. Anyways, all right. So we we digress. We digress. So, so we're at so at the uh, the uh, car club was called the Mark or the the social arm of it was called the Mark, and so we had the biggest parties for the 2013 NBA All Star weekend. So we had uh, Kenny Smith, we had Shaxx, and we had Lock.